You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row. I am Austin Ward. That's Jeremy Birmingham and Spencer Holbrook. This is the Playoff Drive, brought to you by Buyers Auto. Another day. Another open Woody Hayes Athletic Center, another practice, another virtual media day. The Buckeyes remain on track to play on Monday night. And what a loaded uh, virtual media day with Ryan Day in the offense it was. It was a bit of a marathon, uh, not uh, not like what we're maybe used to. But Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers, and Chris Olave – uh, entertained and informed for about two and a half hours after practice. Berm, where do you even start with the barrage of information that was thrown our way? Uh, first is that uh, the next time we have a three-hour media day, I want to be loaded um, <laughs> first. Second is that, um, you know, this format cannot go away fast enough. So we'll just, I can't wait until we can go back to normal in-person uh, media days where you can talk to whomever you want to talk to and, and they can talk to you without somebody else uh, stopping you. Uh, beyond that, I think, of course, the takeaway is that Justin Fields' ribs are still fine, um, that he is going to be okay by Monday, just like he was okay by Friday with his thumb. And uh, we're continuing to make storylines where they do not exist. I also left out Luke Farrell, which is kind of fitting. As Kevin Wilson said, those tight ends, don't get enough credit, so I just want to make sure that I throw that in there as well. Yeah, the uh, injury situation was obviously going to be uh, front of mind with this being the only time that Justin Fields was going to be available this week. He actually said a little bit more about it. Um, I think there's a, a right and wrong way to approach that that uh, informational dance that we've talked about before where last week it was kind of weird with the way Ohio State responded to the thumb questions, and, and this week it's been, hey – he felt better on Saturday when he woke up than he expected to. Uh, he's practiced. They've loved what they've seen. Um, and, look, he's not going to be 100% on Monday night, and it's probably going to take, uh, you know, some heavy uh, a leave or Tylenol to get through it. But that's – he's also very comfortable, Spencer, as we've said earlier in the week, with the way that the training staff handled that. And he made a, actually made a statement uh, at one point well, sort of prompted, sort of not. I know that Ohio State had wanted to talk about this and has considered having Dr. Borchers available to address it. Um, Ohio State didn't do anything wrong with the handling of Justin Fields, and he made sure to say that himself uh, this afternoon. Yeah, it's just another one of those times where you see people kind of make up some storylines based on a post-game quote that was just kind of thrown out there. You know, Justin probably didn't think he was saying anything you know, weird when he made his postgame quote, you know, I just took, a, I think he said he took a couple shots and went back in the game, you know, that, and everybody runs with that. And obviously they were going to clear it up. I thought that was important that he made the, the, uh, the right move to say, Hey, you know, they didn't make me go back in this game. I, I was feeling good enough to go back in. I wasn't going to go in if I couldn't go back in. And he obviously was fine enough to throw a, a 60 yard touchdown to Chris Olave and a 50 yard touchdown to, to Jamison Williams. So, I mean, obviously he was feeling fine enough to play, through a little bit of pain and make those throws and, and win a sugar bowl. 
I, I just thought it was really important that he did that because the storylines around his injury right now have been really weird. Yeah, I think and just that's a little bit of inside baseball. I, you know, with Dr. Borchers, I don't think at this point that's necessary for Ohio State because they're they're giving oxygen to a storyline that doesn't need it. It doesn't exist. It's not an actual problem. And nobody who is aware of Dr. Borchers' reputation or uh, the way Ohio State has handled all media or uh, excuse me, all medical protocol this year and every year, it's not, uh, there was nothing nefarious going on in the first place. So I think it was pretty uh, helpful that Justin Fields nipped that in the bud himself so that we don't even have to, you know, sit through an explanation or he has to give, you know, permission to a doctor to reveal his private, you know, uh, medical chart. And we can hopefully move on from all that. I mean, we need to move on from it. it it's, it's what it is. These sort of media opportunities we see and hear from writers around the country who we would never hear from or, or, or hear questions from that spend their entire lives trying to show that sports are terrible. And uh, it's just, I, I, I'm, I might be in a bad mood right now, so I should probably just not talk, but uh, I, it's clear that there's people who were trying to drive a story that doesn't exist. And I'm glad that Justin Fields stepped up and, and shot it down completely today. Everybody's here for angry burn. Let's just get it rolling. Mm, no. All right. Well, what I'm else? Not. Where, all right. Where, where else should, do you want to go then after that burn? The quarterback thing is, is front of mind. And then, you know, there was some talk about Patrick Sertan and the matchup for Chris Olave. Um, you know, he described the process of coming back from, from COVID and getting his feet under him and the, the success that he had, how much it hurt to miss the big 10 title game. Uh, you've got the tight ends having that impact in Alabama. If there's been one area where, that defense, that defense has struggled in a lot of areas. I think it's sometimes Nick Saban gets a little bit of a free pass for games like getting torched by Ole Miss or the struggles that they had against Florida. But tight ends have had a lot of success. Uh, I wonder, you know, just how this is going to look, what Alabama thinks about. We talked about this yesterday, that the mood was going to be a little different. I don't know how Alabama's defense can slow down a full-strength Ohio State offense. I, I think that, you know, we've, we've talked about this all year. When you watch Bama, it's not the same team. They are the best front that Ohio State's going to play this year. There's no doubt about that. Um, but Ohio State's offensive line, I think, goes into this game with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they didn't get a full season to really compete for Spencer's uh, award. And, you know, obviously the Alabama line wins the Joe Moore award, but I, I don't think that anybody watching this game thinks Ohio State isn't going to be able to handle uh, Alabama's pressure, no matter how much they talk to the defensive coordinator at Indiana. So, um, you know, Ohio State is going to score points. Clemson's going to, or Alabama's going to score points. This is what happens, though, in a national championship game. Both teams have good players. So, Whoa. Um, yeah, yep. I know. Crazy. Yeah, it's first time. Uh, first time this has ever happened. Both teams have good players, and okay. it's going to come down to which teams play better. Is this true, Spencer? I think it is. I oh think it is. I was I was really happy to hear from Luke Farrell today, and, and Kevin Wilson always brings up the tight ends when he talks. But uh, two, the problem that Alabama's had this year, like you said, was with the tight ends. Kyle Pitts terrorized Alabama in the SEC championship game, and then Kenny Yoboa had a big game for Ole Miss against Alabama when they put up 48 points on him. I don't know if Luke Farrell or Jeremy Ruckert are either as athletic as those two guys, but they're pretty darn athletic and they're pretty good at what they do. And they're probably more complete tight ends as far as blocking and, and everything that goes into the position than both of those guys. I think these tight ends could have a, an absolutely 
huge game. And they're and I bring that up because they're an extension of this offensive line. The offensive line carries a chip on its shoulder, but those tight ends have been blocking just as well as everybody else on the offensive line so far this season. And Trey Sermon's really gotten it going because those tight ends are able to do what they do. It's pretty wild to go back and look. And, and, and Jake Stoneburner sat down for a Buck IQ that will run this weekend on Letterman Row uh, to look at the success that the tight ends had. And we, we know how important that 12 personnel grouping is. And Ohio State right now is doing a lot of things that we've only seen glimpses of, and it works every time, which is lining up Luke Farrell and Jeremy Rucker to the same side of a formation and running, you know, combination routes off of that. You know, the, the, the Luke Farrell touchdown, Jeremy Rucker was far more open. You know, Justin Fields just threw a laser into Luke Farrell's face that he had no choice but to catch. You know, they get open almost every single time, and that's a, a little bit of a broken record with – you know, Byrne talking about them getting in the middle of the field and how important the tight end is always open. The tight, tight end. end is always open. Yeah, but this team is getting two tight ends that are always open. And, and I don't know how you answer it because they can do so many versatile things. You know, you can also line them up together. And we've seen this play where you're running a, a zone read with Justin Fields and Trey Sermon to that side. Defenses have to be worried about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson on the other side. I don't know how you stop it. I mean, obviously what you talked about is critical burn. They're, the offensive line will have to hold up against uh, Alabama's front. But this, the the fact that Luke Farrell and Jeremy Rucker are weapons that you have to worry about, and everybody else that's on this team, that's scary. This is just an incredibly talented offense. It is, and you know, I think it didn't get asked today by the forty questions that got asked to Wyatt Davis by people about things that didn't matter at all. But uh, I don't know how his knee is holding up. I mean, that's the most important thing I think about for the Ohio State offensive line. Wyatt Davis has been down three different games where you thought he wasn't going to come back and look like a serious injury. So if he's ready to go, if that line is able to go, then you give the weapons like Rucker and Farrell and Olave and Wilson and Sermon and everyone else the opportunity to really do what they do best. The Buckeyes' depth on the offensive line has been proving itself out to be pretty good so far. But, again, you're playing against Alabama. You want to go best on best. And um, that's why I think, you know, just the, the health of Wyatt Davis and making sure he's in there ready to go um, is paramount for the Buckeyes on Monday. We know that Matthew Jones can step up and fill one of those spots. He's done it twice, uh, two champion grades and two starts when he goes in at left guard. We'll have to wait and see if Harry Miller uh, will be available uh, by Monday. But the next guy in line, let's say that you need uh, one more guard. Well, Paris Johnson uh, put some guys in the ground last Friday night against Clemson. And then Josh Myers decided to raise the bar even further uh, on Thursday. What Spencer, what did he say and how did that strike you? Uh, it was one of the best quotes I've ever heard an offensive lineman give, and that's a pretty high bar in itself. But he said that if Paris Johnson isn't an Outland Trophy winner by the end of his career, then something's gone wrong or he screwed something up or something to that effect. Uh, I expect Paris Johnson to win at least the Joe Moore Award uh, with the collective offensive line, but he'll be the leader of it, obviously. He's, he's got all the tools to be an incredible player. And I know Berm could talk about that more because Berm followed him in recruiting for nine years. Skinny ankles. Um, but uh, he moves incredibly well for a guy his size. Paris is one of those guys that is really unique in that he was blessed with the perfect body to play left tackle, but he's also got the mentality and the desire to learn and to get better. He spent time in the last three years working with Willie Anderson, who's one of the greatest right tackles of all time uh, in Cincinnati. And he just is a kid that 
he's a coach's son. Like there's a lot of things that are very, very good about Paris Johnson as an offensive lineman. And so really you're just hoping he stays healthy and gets an opportunity to, to grow into that role. And I, that's what I asked Josh about was like, it's kind of crazy. We're talking about this kid who was the number one ranked offensive tackle in the country. Uh, an Ohio state coach told me that he is the single best freshman offensive lineman he's ever seen. Uh, he came into the game against Clemson after really not taking many reps all year long and flat out pancaked people multiple times. And now we're talking about him and he's still not playing. So it, it speaks volumes about how good this Ohio state offensive line really has been. Yeah. And obviously he wasn't working uh, much at guard. And then when you go back to that Michigan state game where three starters were missing, he was also uh, on the unavailable, unavailable, unavailability report for Michigan State and couldn't play in that game where he might have been um, a starting tackle. Who knows how that would have worked out. Um, remarkable how Ohio State's handled all that. Um, you know, you're still going to have to wait until Monday night to know any other names that are on that list that will not play for the Buckeyes. But Ryan Day, you know, did, you know, basically address some of the speculation about postponing the game or dealing with new absences. A, of course, there were going to be. Ohio State has had COVID-positive tests for the last six weeks. That was not going to magically end after the Sugar Bowl and going on the road um, uh, once this thing got in the woody. That, that's not, that should not come as a surprise to anybody, but it is also still not at a level, as I've said, uh, every day on the playoff drive brought to you by Byers Auto, that as long as the practice facility remains open and practice continues, then that's not at a level where Ohio State would be trying to post, asking to postpone the game. And I know for a fact that they are trying not to, because if you add seven more days, anybody who tested positive after the Sugar Bowl would still not be able to play by January 18th, according to the Big Ten protocol. Ohio State wants to play and intends to play on Monday night. Anything else right now? Anything else right now is simply people trying to distract from the situation. I mean, not only, as you said, anyone who tested positive after the Sugar Bowl wouldn't get to play, but the odds are basically 5 million percent that more people would test positive before then. So the, the idea that pushing this game back a week helps Ohio State get better prepared for Alabama is absolute rubbish and uh, it should be dismissed out of hand. The Buckeyes are ready to to travel they're ready to go and uh, they leave on Saturday and, and hopefully we're playing, you know, we're watching a football game on Monday night. No, no complaints here. No, no rebuttals here. I think uh, the, the, the best question that was asked the entire day was Ryan, do you think you'll have enough players to play? And he said, yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty of players. I thought that was kind of funny. I think he was, that's, that's as tired of hearing something as you'll see from Ryan day. He doesn't really seem to do that with the media, but he was a little tired of hearing about it. He, he just responded, yeah, we'll have plenty of players. A really great attempt um, by non-local media to try and get a, an answer on that one. Uh, applaud that effort. Uh, Ohio State trying to get ready for Monday night, still doing that in the practice facility. As Berm said, they will fly out on Saturday. I believe they will touch down in South Florida at 6 p.m. Letterman Row will be down there for the national championship as well as we hit the road for full coverage of the, on the playoff drive, which is brought to you by Byers Auto. He's Berm. That's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Austin Ward. Stay with us for full coverage of the Buckeyes and the national title game at LettermanRow.com.